sex talk Derek and Miley Cause sexuality is tough And okay sexist isn't good enough No Sex talk With Derek and Miley Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. Y'all, I brought you a friend. I brought you a friend. We met at uh, a biohacking conference. Uh, you know, Natalie, Mistress Natalie King, but <laughs> Natalie, my friend, I am just so glad that you are here. You are a dominatrix, a kinky coach. Welcome to my damn show. Thank you so much for having me. It was amazing to be able to be on the panel with you. I am so, so grateful for the opportunity to have met, that we cross paths, and that we have this great relationship now. Same. I think and when when we're done with this and when this episode comes out, it'll probably be part of uh, our next season. So y'all, we're recording this and then you'll listen to it down the road. But we'll have to tag Dave and just be like, you yes. unintentionally made some people some friends, just so you know. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did indeed. <laughs> so I really want to talk about your your perspective around BDSM is so, so wonderful to me. I think it's uh, an it's all encompassing and we're going to get in deep to that here in just a second but i really want you to talk about how you see bdsm and the role you play for a client as a kinky coach mm -hmm. well you know my perception of bdsm has really changed and evolved over the 28 ish years that i've been practicing so my thoughts on it now are extraordinarily different than when I was a baby dom at 18 years old, like kind of mm. exploring the sex industry yeah. through my own personal journey of health and fitness and trying to really resolve a lot of things in myself. I started to adjust my approach to BDSM and my clients became really, really receptive. Mm. And I also started noticing a lot about my practice that I started making these comparisons to things that I was putting in my life, like the comparison of the sort of breath work that you get mm. in yoga mm -hmm. and the focus and intention and surrender and calm and really seeing the same sort of thing in my BDSM practice. Unintentionally, you know, I was already doing some of the things that I was then learning in yoga or yoga teachers were having me do. And I was like, oh, wow, this is what I have my mm. clients do to get them to relax and open up and accept and let go and calm their mind and focus. And I was like, wow, this is very, very interesting. And when I started exploring other things like uh, sensory deprivation tanks, float tanks, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is like when I put someone in heavy sensory depth bondage with noise canceling mm -hmm. headphones and a blindfold in a yeah. swing. And it's this womb like cocoon and they're floating. And I was like, oh, my God, these things that people are saying that you should really do for your health that have these remarkable benefits are things I am actually doing in my practice. Mm. Um, so it was this weird sort of like light bulb aha moment. And so I was like, I want to be able to foster this because this resonates with me in my personal life. And I already yeah. know it's really effective for making excellent experiences for my subs. And I went and I got my life coaching certification and a yoga certification and really started building this sort of kinky coaching aspect to it. 
I, you made a beautiful connection, though, like how you saw this change in some of the things that you were starting to remove from your own life and then adding some of these pieces, this the I, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, I, I hear this thread of mindfulness. Like this absolute thread of mindfulness, in yeah. but in just different, very, very different domains in in BDSM, but in yoga, and then pulling them together masterfully. So, I, I mean, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely just one of these things, coincidence, a total coincidence. You know, here I am in life, and I'm I'm making these associations, and I was like, this really is a thing. Like, people. And I knew people were coming to me because the time that we had together was very beneficial for them. Mm -hmm. That was something I also had to learn early on. The first several years of doing this, I realized people come to different things for different reasons. And mm -hmm. there are people that are coming to BDSM to really improve their lives, whether it's just fun entertainment or stress relief or processing some sort of guilt or trauma or being an experimenter, you know, exploring mm -hmm. themselves, wanting to know what's out there. So there's so many good reasons to to participate in BDSM, but there are some negative ones. People who come and use these sessions and this time to um, reinforce their negative self-image. Mm. Um, if they are doing these humiliating things or painful things, they really feel that they deserve it and they mm. leave feeling less rather than more and enlightened and better and happier. And I started to notice that the people who were coming to me, in general, most of them uh, were coming to me for positive, good reasons. But there was this subsection where I could tell that they were walking away and they really like internalized what we were doing in an extraordinarily negative, self-destructive way. Mm, so doubling down, using BDSM almost as doubling down on maybe an internal shame. Yeah. Oh, definitely. An internal shame, um, low self-esteem, you know, they want a humiliation session. Uh, they were really using it to feel that and exponentially, you know, kind of grow their self-doubt and low self-esteem and understanding in the beginning, like, oh, not everybody coming to me is the same. And I need mm -hmm. to differentiate this. So that I learned relatively early on because mm -hmm. I'm a pretty intuitive person and you can get a sense. And, you know, aftercare or follow-up of some degree is always very important to me. And mm -hmm. I would be able to start to see these patterns uh, of negativity. So making sure that the clients that I'm seeing are using this for some positive reason, whether it's really, you know, light and fun and entertainment and it doesn't have to be some deep emotional, you know, cathartic yeah. moment or spiritual absolutely. awakening. That right. it is for, for pleasure, for pleasure's sake, which is absolutely exactly. what you can absolutely do that. <laughs> or play, you know, we need mm -hmm. to have fun and be entertained. But there are people who see it, you know, there really is much more, more serious and plays a more important role in their life. But as long as it was in that realm, you know, these were the clients that I started to develop and mm -hmm. I started to make sure to focus the people that I was seeing into, into this group. And since I knew these people were coming to me for that reason, and a lot of them did have a much more, a much deeper need for BDSM in their life, way beyond just entertainment. Mm -hmm. And through email correspondence, I was seeing how fulfilling the practice was for them. Mm. I started to realize how extraordinarily important my role was in giving them something they needed in their life. And 
that just fueled me more and more and more to kind of practice my craft and be better and figure out what it was that they needed. So I've been doing that for years. And then in my own personal life, started working on improving myself. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very easy for me to take care of others. <laughs> Not of quite course. so easy for me to learn my own lessons and do right? that for myself. The, the barrier um, for every help, every helper in the world. <laughs> yeah, so um, I was like, okay, maybe I should start taking some of my own advice here, but in, in different avenues. And then, you know, when I found these avenues that spoke to me and resonated with me, I was like, holy cow, this is truly a thing. Mm. And uh, really started then focusing on that with my clients. Like, we are going to use this platform. We're going to use our trust. We're going to use this very open exchange with clear boundaries and, you know, goals to be set for very positive things. And each person's, you know, different. So you can't say who's going to need what. Mm. But uh, fine-tuning the way that I approach things to really give this sort of a holistic, beneficial experience, like, you know, very therapeutic. I, I just love that, the, that differentiation you really just started to see, and then mm -hmm. how that grew from your own personal growth is, is a, a really powerful story. And ultimately, I think, BDSM is very much related to, um, and I, I imagine, you know, this might be, especially, uh, my f fellow therapists out there, they may not like this perspective I have, but whatever. <laughs> I, I think BDSM is fits in the world of what we call narrative therapy, what story we're telling ourselves about something or what story we're telling ourselves about maybe pleasure and pain. And mm -hmm. I've seen many people who have traumatic stories or have had traumatic things happen in their lives and be able to shift those stories using BDSM in particular. And I know I've talked about that on the show and you and I've talked about that outside of recording. Yeah. And I do kind of want to talk about like both, both you and I have um, independently dealt with our own eating issues and body issues. And yes. I know I've talked about eating disorders on the show and you and I talked about this privately and you were, uh, I, so I'm so thankful you're willing to talk about this journey that, about your body and eating disorders and, and the role BDSM has played in your own healing. You want to, you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. You know, growing up, I was morbidly obese. I was 240 pounds by the time I was 13. I could never really get a handle on my food for various reasons, you know, in, in retrospect, lots of, you know, trauma and, and things. And the only way that I could figure out how to, you know, not be overweight was to just not eat. And I developed yeah. anorexia. Mm -hmm. And it was this major control thing. My life was so chaotic when I was younger. There was no structure. It was just mm -hmm. everything was out of control and it was unstable and I hated it. And my food fell into that as well. And then when I felt I could control it, I, oh, I, yeah. I figured it out. It was like, oh my God. And of course I did this to a very obsessive degree. Of course you did. Like kids don't often, I, I think that that what many people are probably unaware about eating disorders is that they do often come at early adolescence. And as a result of kids don't have a lot of control over their lives and they sure as shit don't have any control over puberty, yeah. right? Like there's zero control over right. how puberty necessarily goes for you unless yeah. you've got people in your lives helping you create a structure and supporting you through a very, very emotionally trying time. And when you go through trauma during that period of time, 
it really does dictate like, mm-hmm. okay, I can control this. I can control yep. food. And then it, and then often that's when it does become obsessive. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I need to look like this very specific image so that I will mm-hmm. be accepted in the world. Yeah. And my anorexia was very intense for me and getting into BDSM at a very young age, uh, I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was on the heels of my anorexic phase. Um, it really provided an outlet for me to feel, fulfill that need to control things, mm-hmm. but in a much more positive way. So I'm taking this energy, I'm taking this need, this desire, this thing that made me feel calm and in control and safe and secure and all of that and apply it to somebody else who wanted for their own reasons to not be in control. Mm -hmm. And it was this great shift that really helped me get over my anorexia was Mm -hmm. being able to take those needs and those desires that I was feeling and put them to something much more constructive. Mm -hmm. And it was you know, very powerful for me to have this outlet Mm -hmm. that was not self-destructive. And not only was it not self-destructive, it was actually really positive because I was Mm -hmm. then helping other people. Yeah. So for for me personally, it was, uh, you know, and getting into BDSM also shifted my, the perception of myself because Mm. I had gone from somebody who was morbidly obese no self-esteem, never had a boyfriend, blah, 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 blah. And then at 18, thrown into the sex industry. Mm -hmm. And all of these people were, you know, paying me and choosing me out of a whole bunch of other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was like this weird shift in my brain of like, oh, wow, they're not just being nice to me because they have to. They're not just thinking, saying I'm pretty Mm -hmm. or sexually desirable because they're trying to be nice to me. Like they're actually choosing me and paying me, which is mm-hmm. weird, but it was like, oh, wow, I guess maybe people, I, I don't see myself the way other people see me. Cause at that point mm-hmm. I still had a lot of issues from, you know, the eating disorders over the years of my own self image. And it was, I think a, um, it sped up the process of me being able to really see myself for who I was and mm-hmm. shed all of the, the m- misperceptions of, of myself. Yeah, I I hear this I, as you were describing it. I just hear this this theme of shifting who had the control and who had the power, yeah. and then how that impacted your own identity as a young one. Oh, it, com- I, I mean, it, it sounds incredibly powerful. It, it was, and it's like my when I started, you know, practicing the craft. You know, you you feel you have to take on a certain persona. You know, I was young Mm -hmm. and, you know, definitely the person that I wanted to be was the persona that I projected. Mm -hmm. Like she was my ideal woman. She was strong. She was confident. She was witty. She was intelligent. She was sexy. She was like Mm -hmm. everything I wanted to be. And in those little segments of time, I could really be that person. I mean, it took years and years and years for me to realize I am that person. Yes, <laughs> like, the integration the time, took time. time. You know, it's like, yes, I'm that person. I understand that most of the time. Um, <laughs> um, but for, you know, for the good, you know, the first five, six years I was doing this, like, that's who I was 
in that hour, in that two hours of time, and it's who I aspire to be. You know, mm-hmm. I still was a, a mess the rest of the time, but it was like she was my goal of who I wanted to be as a person. And BDSM mm-hmm. really, you know, making it my career really forced me to be that person all the time. Person yeah. I knew I could be. Yeah, it cracked. It cracked open and gave you permission. Mm-hmm. I, I, I that. <laughs> <laughs> that putting on the face of who you want to be at that age, like, oh, you just, I just remember 20 year old Erica. Woo! That same, I think that it, that's part of our development, especially during that period of time. Like, they don't, of course, like when you're, you're in high school, elementary school, like you learn a little bit about your development sometimes. Like, sometimes people get some sex ed, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and most of the time it's really, really uh, anatomy focused, right? Like, and there's no, yeah. there's not a lot of, this is how humans develop over time in our yeah. education. And I think that is an integral part of those 18, 19, early 20s times is this, this identity exploration. Who am I? How do I want to be in the world? And the way you described that, that I'm going to wear this who I want to be and visit her from time to time until you were able to really do that integration work. I, I wonder, uh, did you start to even then like uh, understand the relationship and how close and, and interconnected pe- pleasure and pain are? Or did that come later? Um. You know, that's a, that's a really good question. I think I started to understand that pleasure and pain and their connection was, it was apparent to me. I mean, I saw it, Mm -hmm. but really getting a good grasp on the many ways that they can be interconnected took, took some time. You know, I think when I first started, it was just like, I was going through the motions because this is what. I was told to do or asked to do. And I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I don't know if I'm quite understanding this. You know, in my personal life, I didn't really have any sexual or BDSM experience. So I hadn't Mm -hmm. really gotten that. And even in some parallels that I draw today to help people understand it who've never practiced BDSM is like when you go to the gym and you work out and you have a really good workout and it hurts but it feels really good because you're mm-hmm. sore and that's a good sore. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, I never worked out either. So I didn't have these mm-hmm. examples in my head of how to really connect it, but I saw it, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, this is definitely something. So it took a little while to be able mm-hmm. to process all of that. Uh, but I, w- I would say, you know, probably about six, seven years in, I really started drawing those major mm-hmm. connections of like, wow, this is very intimately connected. You know, early on, I did, I I could tell certain things just like physically, whereas how people can develop a higher pain tolerance, the more excited they get. Mm. And so I would see these examples of it, but I didn't really, I didn't really get it. I didn't understand the hormonal responses that were were going on in your body to allow Mm. you to sort of tolerate and the sexual excitement and the mental headspace that you were in and the idea of intentional pain. Um, I didn't really understand that at first yeah i i don't know that uh many of us are even introduced to that idea that that 
pain and pleasure and how how the brain interprets them are fairly close, even in in location. In location, <laughs> right? They're pretty easy for the, the wires to, you know, the little. <laughs> well, and, and I think you, you said something that I that I I want to make sure that we 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 at least pluck out is that the the question of permission to give or receive pain and how that does change your perception Completely. of how pain actually works. You, you want to say a little bit more about that? Maybe themes yeah. you see with your clients? So there, there's the permission to, to give and receive pain and also the context of mm. pain. And those things are, are very, and the, the intention behind it. You know, I always give the example of the, you know, heaviest masochist on the planet, if you drop a bowling ball on his foot by accident, mm -hmm. is going to not like that pain. Yeah. Like, yes. Not, they're not going to be like, oh, that's so exciting. No. Yeah. So, you know, the permission, the context, the intention surrounding the, the giving and or receiving of pain is all essential mm -hmm. in processing it in the appropriate way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with my clients, when we are delving into the pain aspect, because side note, you know, a lot of BDSM has zero to do with pain. Like everyone thinks it's all just beating people, but I would exactly. say, you know, 50% of the things that I do have nothing to do with pain. So, absolutely. Um, but when you are, when you are introducing pain, there can be, you know, so many reasons while pe why people find find this pleasurable in, in that mm. context. Um, whether they're feeling that those sensations are pushing them physically and mm. they have sort of this reward response for hard work. Mm -hmm. um, that is, a, a, I see that quite a bit. You know, there, there really is this intention to want to be the best at something, prove yourself. It's weird because they're submissive, but yet what they're doing is very, very challenging. And I think through pain, they're really feeling empowered in their submission. Mm -hmm. And that's a very pleasurable sensation. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's very exciting to, to sort of be forced to do things that are uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then when, when you're sexually aroused, there is a flood of hormones and chemicals through your body. And that's when this, this crossover starts to happen. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, if you're to be the kid in the schoolyard and give someone a titty twister, like you might get punched in the face, but right. in the bedroom, if you're with your lover and you bite their nipple, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, watch out. <laughs> that's you know, a, that's a, a whole way. different experience. I think we just named the we just named the episode the context <laughs> of pain like that absolutely is an incredible example of that it isn't just somebody hitting hitting the shit out of you with a writing crop. This is this is this is there are so many other elements of uh, what this can look like for a person and what they might find erotic and how it might draw in their focus. I've been talking a lot to uh, many of the women that I work with who have um, uh, neurodiversity, like ADHD. And we've mm -hmm. talked a lot about specifically, like, what would it be like for you to know exactly how this might go? And it might bring up this intensity to a level that you could stay with this sexual experience. What that what might that be like for you? And so I think you're you're asking some some 
and and answering honestly some of these questions of like what can intensity of experience physically do for a person yeah when somebody is going on a pain journey depending on the person there are lots of things that are involved in getting them to really go deep and breath work is is one you know really being able to focus as you said is another mm-hmm. and i think you know not just the the pleasure of the sensations that can happen even if it's not that pleasurable, the extreme focus and being in the moment that having to process the pain is very powerful for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of masochists, sometimes there isn't really a, a huge sexual component. There'll be no physical manifestation of anything sexual going on. They may sexualize mm-hmm. it later because they're really excited by the fact that they took it. But in the moment, literally the pain is so intense that yeah. there isn't any sexual arousal. And when yeah. that happens, there are all of these other things coming in, into play, you know, mm-hmm. testing themselves, wanting to do for somebody else, extreme focus, breath work, intention, mindfulness, because you can't, you know, zone out of something like that. You really mm-hmm. have to be there and yes. present. And it makes you feel alive. You know, like you are here, you're in this situation and yeah. all of this intense sensation is happening. And mm. when you're there though, I think what your body sometimes starts to do is it really doesn't recognize pleasure or pain. It just recognizes intense sensation. Sort mm. of like if you come in from the, the cold and you run your hand on their hot water, you don't know if it's hot or cold water. You just know it's yes. like too much and you pull your hand away and you don't know yes. which tap was on. It doesn't matter. And I think that happens a lot in BDSM where you you are just processing it as intense sensation. Mm, beautifully put. I just think that that is like the the example of not knowing the difference is mm-hmm. is I especially in the culture that we exist in today and that we exist in a culture that wants and you know I I this is probably not as hot of hot of a take especially in the last year and a half where we're numb we're numb and many times we're we are taught to numb our emotions numb our experience um and numb maybe even the things that we are sexually excited to or that we shouldn't be excited by in quotation marks so i just think you just gave a wonderful example so i just i'm so happy and glad that you decided to come on my show i i thank you my friend and uh how how do do people (laughs) find you in this great big old world um let's see they can go to one of my two websites tinkycoaching.com or mistressnatalie.com depending on which side of the spectrum you want on. I love it. I absolutely love it. Everything will be in the show notes, folks. Thanks for sticking around to the end, and we will see you next time. Thanks so much. 